from iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. This is episode 232. We are live on the Circle Debate YouTube channel. We're live on Twitch.com. We're live on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for riding with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast and joining me today on this super stacked episode where we're going to be talking all about everything that went down this past Monday night on Raw, everything that went down on NXT, and... Also, we'll be going back in time like we do every Wednesday here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. We'll talk about two episodes of ECW Hardcore TV from March 1998. We're on the road to WrestlePalooza, so you don't want to miss out on that. So stay tuned because in the end of the show, we're going back in time just like we do every week. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't already, follow the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast on Instagram at Pod. 
follow on TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod and follow on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. We have a super stacked show for you guys today, so I don't want to waste no more time. If you don't see though, make sure you subscribe to the Circle of Debate YouTube channel. Ladies and gentlemen, let's set the beat. Let's get into this super stacked show right fucking now. First of all, shout out to Underground Temple already in the chat. Thank you for joining, homie. Thank you for allowing me into your Wednesday afternoon routine. This is episode two where we're live, you know what I mean? And it, it is dope and it's exciting to be live here on the Circle of Debate YouTube channel. Today we got a stacked show, but before we get into all that, I want to thank all my fans for supporting the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. If you want to go above and beyond and support even more, you could cop yourself some Wrestling DeLorean podcast merchandise from threefallsbrand.com. What is threefallsbrand.com? It is the best rock and wrestling merchandise on the motherfucking planet. So make sure you go to threefallsbrand.com. It's a little bit of the designs that you could get from the Wrestling DeLorean podcast shirts on threefallsbrand.com. So check this out. listeners this is mean gene of three falls brand are you a fan of wrestling are you also a fan of rock music if so check out threefallsbrand.com for all your wrestle punk merch we've got tons of wrestler and band mashup designs to choose from whether it be rvd and black sabbath atsushi onita and the lower class brats doink the clown and the addicts or mortis and the misfits we've got you covered also follow us on instagram at three falls brand again Check us out at threefallsbrand.com and on Instagram at threefallsbrand. Thanks, and continue enjoying this episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Most definitely make sure you check out threefallsbrand.com for all your rock and wrestling merchandise needs. Also, shout out to our new sponsor. We are now sponsored by Manscaped.com. Go to Manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs and put in the promo code DeLorean for 20% off all site-wide. Whatever you need on Manscaped.com, make sure you hit that DeLorean promo code for 20% off. Whether you want the weed whacker, the, the lawnmower, the, the, the ball deodorant, no matter what it is, Manscaped, they say they will make your balls happy. So if you want your balls to be happy, you can make them even more happier if you use the DeLorean fucking promo code. Shout out Manscaped.com. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a whole lot to talk about. So let's get into Monday Night Raw, which I thought was, once again, a great fucking show. Like, real talk, why is it, ever since Triple H took over, these three hours been flying by like a motherfucking... Yo, this shit is mad quick. It feels like it's the most easy to sit through. Like, it's the most digestible Raw been in a long time. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Raw hasn't been this digestible. For a while. You know what I mean? We start out hot with the women's division. We had Bailey come out with Dakota Kai and EO Sky. And I got to say, everything that the women's division is doing on Raw right now, I have been thoroughly enjoying. 
because real talk, like they, they took a division that was good and had good wrestlers, but they're adding great storylines to it. And I think that right now the whole feud between Bailey, EO Sky, and Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka has been really dope to see. Everything's been really fun. So I, I thought that it was great. You know what I mean? Um, I, I love the opening segment with all of them just brawling and also setting up for the ta uh, tag team title tournament coming in the coming weeks. So I thought it was a great way to open up Raw. Shout out to that women's division, though. They have really been, you know, kicking ass, and it's been really cool to see. Also, a match that I thoroughly enjoyed and I thought was an amazing matchup was the Bobby Lashley versus Tommaso Ciampa matchup for the United States champion. That matchup was a throwback, especially because you had Tommaso Ciampa come out with his, you know, trainer's, his trainer's robe. Tommaso Ciampa came out with Harley Race's robe, which I thought was a really nice touch because, you know, Harley Race was one of the legends that held that title. He was one of the first people to hold that title. So the way I see it is when you remind people that legends and Hall of Famers like Harley Race held that title, it adds prestige to that title. And something I said on Monday's episode is you got to add prestige back to that championship. You got to add prestige back to the Intercontinental Champion because those titles have been around for years. There should be no reason why they're just, you know, mid-card titles, and there should be no reason why they're nothing but like props. So it's good to see that Triple H is taking those little steps. It's not major. It's little steps. It's little subtleties as well to show that you're going to take these titles to another level. You're going to make sure that there's prestige to these titles and you're going to make sure that people care about these titles. So I really liked seeing that. I think that that was really dope. Uh, the matchup itself was a banger. Bobby Lashley put on a banger with Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa is a guy who was, you know, on NXT for many years, definitely was killing it. Um, like Clark Street said, shout out to Clark Street. Ciampa is really the greatest sports entertainer. He's one of them. I got to agree. Tommaso Ciampa is a guy who's been putting in work for years. I remember seeing him in Ring of Honor. I remember seeing him on the indies. Shit, I used to help book an indie called Tier 1 Wrestling here in New York City. And on the first show, we had Tommaso Ciampa, which you know was a really big deal for us because getting Tommaso Ciampa on that show was something that we were working really hard to do. So getting him on that show was awesome. And meeting the guy personally, he's a class act. So people like that is someone I really want to see succeed. And it's great to see Tommaso Ciampa on this level here on Raw going for a title against someone like Bobby Lashley. And shout out to Bobby Lashley, too. You know, I'm a fan of Bobby Lashley. I think he's a great wrestler. And I think that he really showed how versatile he is. Because in this matchup, it wasn't just, a, you know, a powerhouse moves. And it wasn't just like a big man matchup like Bobby Lashley's used to doing. Bobby Lashley showed what I knew he showed many years in his career. He could actually go. He's a wrestler. He could hit you with a bunch of like amateur style tosses. And I just love that style of Bobby Lashley. And I think that it took someone like Tommaso Ciampa to bring that style out of Bobby Lashley. So definitely a really good matchup. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Bobby Lashley retains. So I, I'm really interested to see who's his next challenger. But I really enjoyed that matchup, yo. Shout out to Bobby Lashley and Tommaso Ciampa. They put on a banger. Also, the main event, AJ Styles versus Miz. I got to say, AJ Styles is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I mentioned that many times before. I love AJ Styles, and I'll tell you this right now. I think that AJ Styles is somebody who should be at that main event level. 
at all times. AJ Styles is a future Hall of Famer, Grand Slam champion in WWE, Grand Slam champion in TNA, former IWGP champion, former Ring of Honor pure champion. His accolades go on and on and on, right? He's a legendary athlete who's going to go down in history. So there should be no reason why AJ Styles is not a premier wrestler on Raw. So I love that ever since Triple H took over the book, we've had AJ Styles take more of that next step as in a main eventer, where it just seemed like for the last couple months, AJ Styles was just there. Like, you know, his feud with the Judgment Day was good, but then when they took Edge out of the picture, it kind of like left AJ, you know, just in the middle of nowhere. And then on top of that, you know, you had AJ Styles not even booked on SummerSlam. So him main eventing this Raw and going over was a really big deal. The match with The Miz was awesome. Like, no pun intended. The match was phenomenal and awesome. No pun intended. But um, no, the, no DQ. The crowd was going wild. They were chanting, this is awesome. I thought that the match was really good. AJ Styles and The Miz have great chemistry. And The Miz shows that he can hang also. So for all the hate that The Miz gets, I think that that's unwarranted because The Miz is fucking good. Like, whether you love him or hate him, The Miz could wrestle. He's great at what he does. You know what I mean? Shout out Cassius Fade. That's my guy, King Huey from the Lords of Gotham. Salute. Check out Lords of Gotham Music and check out Cash This Fade on Twitch for some of the best Twitch streams. My man, be, he, he be doing WWE 2K. He be doing GTA, Call of Duty, NBA 2K. If you into the gaming side of Twitch, you know, check out my man Cash This Fade. Nick from the Ring Fanatics in the building. Shout out to Nick. Shout out to the Ring Fanatics. I appreciate you showing love. Yo, low-key, that Dolphin Gable. Yo, Devin, I'm telling you right now that I was about to get there next. Like this shit was a great raw. The, the matches were great. I mean, I even enjoyed Rey Mysterio and Finn Balor. That was a really good matchup too. But Dolph and Gable put on a hell of a wrestling match, a real wrestling match. Like these guys showed that they could go with the best. And especially Dolph Ziggler, I believe he's like a Hall of Famer at Kent State University. Then you got uh, Chad Gable who competed in the Olympics. Like they showed that they could actually go. And I think that's great that you're having so many different styles. You know, it, it's weird because for years, I always thought that WWE had a style. And I know I'm not the only one who thinks that. You know, they have their own particular style. And God damn, it's hot as fuck. They have their own particular style. And, you know, when you get wrestlers from the outside, they try to train them in the WWE style. So it's cool to see, like, the versatility of having different uh, styles of matches. You had your you know, high-flying matches on the show, but then you had, a, like, a real good wrestling match like Dolph Ziggler versus Gable where they're, like, going catch-as-catch-can and showing, like, that Greco-Roman style. That shit was awesome to me. But, like Underground Temple just said, I have a perfect storyline for Dexter Loomis. Let's talk about Dexter Loomis because I, I, I coming out of Raw, I just feel like the storyline that they went with, the subtleties that they went with with bringing Dexter Loomis back, was fucking phenomenal. Like, it was so good to see how, like, they didn't have to go the obvious route. Like, they went with, like, the Easter egg route. They had two promos on the night, one with Kevin Owens, one with Alexa Bliss and Asuka. And in the background, they're in a parking lot. You see that there was a car crash. And then for the, uh, what's called, later on in the night, you see before AJ Styles' matchup, you see the cops go running by. And then after AJ Styles' match, you see somebody trying to jump in, jump the guardrail, happens to be Dexter Loomis. And the camera doesn't go on Dexter Loomis. The camera kind of, like, keeps it to the side where it's, like, trying to get your attention towards there. 
but they're not trying to be obvious with it and put the camera on it. They're trying to make it realistic, which I thought was really dope. And that's the type of storyline and the story building that I think that WWE has been missing. That's the type of storyline and story building. I think wrestling in general has been missing. You know what I mean? Make us work a little bit. You don't always have to be so obvious and put it right in our face. Make us work a little bit. Like make us like have to think like, Oh shit. Is there a connection between that? You know, the cops running by is there a connection between those car crashes that they're not talking about in the background. And then this guy trying to jump the guardrail. Like, that's the type of shit that I love seeing. And I really think that Triple H has his finger on the pulse on what wrestling fans want to see. You know, I was saying on Monday that AEW lacks storylines. AEW lacks compelling shit to bring you back to the next week. They lack that cliffhanger ending. And this is what I'm talking about. It was just the subtleties on how they had Dexter Loomis return here that just made me so intrigued to see what's going to happen next week on Raw. So this was absolutely brilliant. Like, whoever came up with this idea, whether it was Triple H or anybody else on that writing team, kudos to them because this was absolutely brilliant. And I got to say, that makes it yet another Raw where I'm over here saying I was a fan. And WWE is not a company I've been a fan of for a while. So it, it is definitely a time period where, you know, every wrestling company is good to watch right now. But especially having WWE back on the scene, like putting on bangers like this, like they've been on a good stretch and I just want to see them keep it up. But right now, Raw, SmackDown, everything's been really good. And I just love what I'm seeing from the WWE right now. Let's see what Clark Street says. Papa H is doing impactful debuts. Hell yeah, with the Karrion Cross debut, with the Dakota, well, the Dakota Kai return, the Karrion Cross return, the Dexter Loomis return, definitely, like, he's making sure that it's not just they're throwing people into the mix. He's not just throwing people and then getting them lost in the shuffle. This is for sure making sure that everybody has a spot on that card and everybody has something impactful that's going to make you care. Good guy, Jay. Dexter Loomis deserves a better persona to have him. Like the let the man talk on the mic. Yeah, for sure. Like the man could talk on the mic. He plays that psychopath gimmick, and I love the gimmick that he has. But I think that eventually we'll see more of him here on Raw, where he's able to accentuate that character a little bit more, where it's not just going to be him, you know, on the not on the mic, not talking and just being like a stalker lurking in the background. I think that we'll see more of that character that we didn't get to see too much of in NXT. So for sure. I gave Raw an A+. I gave Raw a 5 out of 5 because it was yet another show that I had no complaints about. I sat through the whole thing and enjoyed it. And by the end of the three hours, I'm like, God damn, that shit finished fast. You know, I've been saying that. I said it on Monday. Raw's three hours. And I know a lot of people complained about it being three hours. They wanted it back to two hours. But this just proves that it don't matter the time or how long a show is. If the show is compelling, you're going to sit there for three hours. You would sit there for four hours if the show is compelling. So it was never really the length of the show. It was the quality of the show. I feel like for too many years, you know, the three hours was hard to sit through because they try to fill it with a bunch of filler. There was a lot of bullshit on there. And I feel like there was a lot of, you know, corny, just shit that wasn't for me. So to have Raw, you know, cater to wrestling fans again, I just feel like that's what's making it easy to sit through. But not only that, but... You know, I, I don't have no problem with it being three hours. Like, let me know in the chat right now. Like, do you guys have a problem still with it being three hours if it continues to be the quality it has been the last couple weeks? Because I don't think that there's an issue with that. 
definitely Raw was a banger. I'm excited to see what's going to happen next week. Um, with Dexter Loomis is I, I would love to see if they continue having him trying to like break into the building and then like in a couple weeks, like they have like the big reveal of why he's there. But you know, let things breathe, let it play out slowly. You don't have to jump right into it. Like, let's have the guy try to break in a couple more times. I think that'd be dope. Um, him versus AJ, if they're going to go down that route, I think that that'll be a good matchup for him because Dexter Loomis is a great character. I am not the biggest fan of his wrestling, but having him in there with someone like AJ Styles to like carry those matches, I think will actually help develop him a little bit more. And yeah, I, I just, you know, I love where they're going with shit. Uh, the Judgment Day storyline, I love where they're going with that shit too. Like, it really looks in my eyes like Dom is going to be fucking, you know, turning on his dad soon. Like, I, I'm not convinced that he was knocked out by Rhea Ripley backstage. I think it's clear that my man was fucking in on the shit because, you know, he has beef with Edge now because Edge speared him last week accidentally. He seemed to have a little problem with his father siding with Edge. So this is the perfect way to make Dom break away from Rey Mysterio and have him, like, take a step back. I would love to see a different side of Dom. Um, I think Dom needs to, he needs to step his game up a little bit. And I think a character change could actually do that for him because... I mean, he's decent. I think he needs he needs work. He needs time. And I, I would have put him in NXT, get some work under his belt. But if you, you know, maybe give him a different character, he might be a little bit more easy to digest, I guess. Uh, let's see what we got here. We got good guy Jay. With Vince, it felt like a five-hour show full of random things. But currently, past weeks, I've been wanting more on Raw. It's been enjoyable so far and building up storylines. I couldn't agree more, man. Real talk. Let's see what Underground Temple says. Dexter Lumis' storyline involves AJ Styles and The Miz, who are feuding with Ciampa. It could be a whole swerve where Loomis is getting his revenge on Ciampa for turning on Gargano. Yeah. I would love that. If this also leads to Johnny Gargano making his return, that would be dope. I think Johnny Gargano is next. Johnny Gargano got to be next. My man is not signed with anywhere. You know, he had a great rapport with Triple H. He had a great rapport with Shawn Michaels. I heard that Shawn Michaels has actually been the one trying to get Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae back to the WWE. So if that's the case, I mean, shit, it's only going to get better from here. So real talk, Raw was great. We'll be right back. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to be talking all about ECW Hardcore TV from March 21st and 28th. 1998 so like we do every week here on the rest of delorean podcast we go back in time wednesdays is ecw day so stay tuned for that real quick we got good guy jay dom can make it without his father because if he stays with his father right until he leaves it's going to be a sh yeah i agree with that all right ladies and gentlemen when we come back we're going to be talking all about ecw so if you're a hardcore head like i am you ain't going to want to miss this shit so stay tuned enjoy these commercials We'll be right back. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... 
I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The man, the king, the god of this shit, Nick fucking Gage. And you know how I start this off. Shout out to all my MDK gang members around the world. Shout out to all my boys locked up in the cells. Eastern Block. Shout out to my hate club. Rest in peace, Big Day Hatred. And rest in peace, my brother Justice Payne. And I'm sending this video to my motherfucking boy, my gang member, Mike De Niro. And Mike, I want to start this off by saying thank you, man, for repping the MDK gang the right way. I want to say thank you, like I tell the rest of the people, and I keep telling them and telling them, Mike, if it wasn't for you or the rest of the gang, me, Nick Gage, I wouldn't be here right now, Mike. And I definitely wouldn't be doing what I love. That's professional deathmatch wrestling. So I just wanted to say thank you, Mike. And I want to let all my MDK gang members know to go check out the Wrestling Delarain podcast. I was on it. It was a dope-ass podcast. We had awesome conversation. It was one of my favorite podcasts I did. And I don't do too many. And I've done some big ones. And this one was one of my favorites. So go check out the Delarain podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. They do this shit three days a week. So from the king of this shit, from the god of deathmatch wrestling, go check out the Delarain podcast. And remember... They do it three times a week. They ain't slacking. They're on top of their game. They do it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you know what it is. It's MDK all fucking day. And Mike, I would love to be on your podcast again, man. Hey there, this is the Queen of Extreme, Francine. 
I am here today to let you know that you need to go and check out this very cool podcast that is happening right now. It's called the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, and it's on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yes, three days a week. It's amazing. And on Wednesdays, Wednesdays are really special because Edwin Melendez, he reviews ECW Hardcore TV and sometimes he even talks about yours truly. So you need to go and you need to look up this podcast. Again, it's called the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. And it's on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And please tell them that the Queen of Extreme Francine sent you. It's good, everybody. Welcome, welcome back to the show. We're about to talk about ECW Hardcore TV from March 21st, 1998. We were on the road to WrestleMania in 1998, so shit's heating up right now in ECW. And this was a stacked, stacked show for ECW. They have four huge matches here on this show, and we're about to talk about it right now. So let's get into it. Show started out from the Madhouse of Extreme Queens, New York. The Elks Lodge definitely was a Legendary venue for uh, ECW, the uh, Elks Lodge on Queens Boulevard. It's no longer there. I think it's a church now, actually. But this was an amazing arena for ECW. If you haven't seen the show at the Elks Lodge, you got to check it out for sure. But real talk, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even fathom being at that venue live because the energy that they were just pumping out the whole night was insane. Like, they didn't sit down once. And that always adds to the show, in my opinion. But it was great to see. The show starts out hot. We had Paul Heyman come out. And he's basically rallying up his troops. Paul Heyman is the goddamn cult leader. And he's just talking to his followers. You know what I mean? And he, he's over here. He's talking about how when ECW came to pay-per-view, not everybody wanted ECW there. Everybody was, you know, oh, they're too violent. They're too, they're too extreme. They're too sexual. They got too many, you know scandalous shit on their show and he said it was the fans faxing and writing and calling their local cable networks letting them know that they want an ecw pay-per-view and everybody stood up as a family everybody stood up as a fucking unit together they got ecw on pay-per-view but there were still cable companies that was not going to cover it and one of those cable companies was Cablevision, which back in the 90s was one of the major cable companies in the united states so if Cablevision wasn't holding your fucking pay-per-view, then, you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to, you're going to be missing out on a big buy rate. So he's here to say, because everybody stood up and was calling Cablevision, because the fans of ECW was faxing their fucking company and telling them that they want ECW on Cablevision, Cablevision called ECW and said that they're going to cover ECW's next pay-per-view, Wrestlepalooza. So Paul Heyman was basically out here to celebrate with his army of people. And that's something that we don't see anymore. We had a guy who came out and cut a promo talking about we need to fucking call your local cable companies and tell them that we demand ECW. Like, you don't see that anymore. You don't see people standing up for their fucking companies anymore. Like, there's a lot of tribalism. There's a lot of, oh, AEW's better than WWE or WWE's better than AEW. But that's all talk on the fucking internet, you know what I mean? First of all, shout out Ivan. That's Don. I appreciate you, homie. Hell yeah, EC dub all motherfucking day. 
Anyway, yo, you don't see people really stepping up and ready to ride for their fucking company. And that's what ECW brought to you. You know what I mean? You have, like I said, you have people saying, oh, AEW's better than WWE. WWE sucks. If you like it, you don't know wrestling, blah, blah, blah. Right? But how many people are taking the time, their personal time, to call their cable provider and say, hey, I want ECW on pay-per-view? How many people are starting petitions to get their company in mainstream media? That's what the ECW fans did for ECW, and that's what Paul Heyman was thanking the fans for. And this was just a beautiful moment to see Paul Heyman standing in the middle of the ring. You had the Queens, New York crowd just going crazy and telling them that it was because of you guys faxing the company, faxing, calling, standing up, writing to Cablevision. That Cablevision says the demand is there. We're going to show ECW, whether it's too violent, too sexual, too, too vulgar. They're going to show it anyway because the demand is there. I think when ECW died, that type of phantom died. When ECW died, that's when real fans fucking stopped caring about their promotion like that. If WWE was not shown on pay-per-view anymore, I'm sure people are going to be upset. But is there going to be petitions? Are you going to be calling your cable provider and be like, hey, you better show fucking WWE? Like, no. People don't care that much. People's attention span is not even there like that. So to have people really going to bat for a company that's just beautiful to fucking see, you know what I mean? Shout out Lennox Coleman. Wow, that was excellent stuff. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you. I appreciate you always showing love. Real talk. Where cable, yeah. When I was watching this shit and Paul Heyman said cable vision, I was like, God damn, that takes me back. Shout out LOG. Shout out King Huey. Real talk, man. Like I, I really feel like this was like a beautiful moment. Especially you got the fucking ringleader here talking to his troops, and it was just awesome to see that it was. The ECW fans, I got ECW to pay-per-view. It wasn't, it wasn't Paul Heyman pushing for it. It was ECW fans demanding it, calling and fucking fighting for it. You know what I mean? That's awesome to see. Underground Temple says ECW died, then GCW came around, and now that's dead. <laughs> wow. Why, why is GCW dead? What, what, what's wrong with GCW? Anyway, after this, Joey Styles welcomes us to the show. He's over here. He's in the ring. He brings out the ECW world champion, Shane Douglas, who comes out with the queen of extreme Francine. They come out and Shane Douglas is already pissed off. Al Snow is in his head. No pun intended. Al Snow is the number one contender. The come Russell Palooza 98 is going to be Al Snow versus Shane Douglas for the ECW champion. And the popularity that Al Snow has right here in WWE, in ECW is not the popularity he ever had in, EC, in WWE. In ECW, those fans were going nuts for Al Snow. Everyone had the styrofoam head. Every time he had a match, they would throw the styrofoam head into the, uh, into the ring. It would act like a rave party. They would flash the lights. Al Snow was getting title matches, and it was believable, and people wanted to see Al Snow win. That's why it's so sad to see what his career became when he left ECW because it seemed like WWE did not know what to do with someone like Al Snow and this type of gimmick. Like, it was an out-there gimmick. The whole head gimmick and what does everybody want? Like, that gimmick is an out-there gimmick. So it's like, not everybody's going to understand it. But ECW was able to capture that shit and really run with it. So the fans was all over that shit. So right now, you know, Shane Douglas got Al Snow in his head, and he's fucking crazy, right? So Joey Styles says, you know, at Wrestlepalooza, is it going to be the night of the living head? And even though that was a corny little, like, pun or a corny joke, Shane Douglas snaps. He fucking chokes Joey Styles. 
Then the triple threat tries to stop him, and you're like, chill, chill, calm down. He's pushing Chris Candido. He's pushing Bam Bam Bigelow. Then he gets on the mic, and he's saying, I'm Shane Douglas. I'm the reason why this company even fucking exists. Fuck Al Snow. Then he picks up the styrofoam head. He kicks it into the crowd. You could just tell, like, he's all up in his head. The mind games is working on Shane Douglas. So right now, I'm really excited to see that matchup between Shane Douglas and Al Snow come WrestlePalooza 1998. First matchup of the night, we had the hardcore chair swinging freaks, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney going against Danny Doring and Roadkill, who has draws on the outside. Shout out to draws. I don't even remember draws being in ECW. See what underground. GCW trying to live up to what ECW was never happening. ECW was epic. GCW not so much. I'll tell you right now, there's never going to be another ECW. No matter if anybody could capture that spirit, you're never going to have another ECW. ECW was a cult. ECW was not a wrestling show. ECW was a cult. Like I said, you had fans going to bat for you. You had fans going to fucking, you know, war for you. Like, Paul Heyman could go out there and be like, hey, everybody, we're going to go storm WWE and we're going to jump the guardrail and fuck the law. We'll just fuck shit up. And those fans would be like pitchforks and torches and be like, let's fucking go. You know what I mean? You don't see that anymore. Like, shout out to GCW, but you're, if Brett Lauderdale said, hey, guys, we need you to write a petition to get us on pay-per-view, I don't think it's going to fucking happen. Anyway, hardcore chair swinging freak versus Axe Rotten. Well, versus uh, Danny Doring and Roadkill, who, by the way, was the last ECW champion, tag team champions. Good matchup. Did not last long when uh, Balls Mahoney and Axe Rotten hit Danny Doring with a concussing chair shot. There's a reason why they were called the hardcore chair swinging freaks. And especially back in that time, you know, they didn't have all the knowledge on CTE and concussions. So, you know, the un unprotected chair shots ran wild in ECW. And when it came from Balls Mahoney, I'm pretty sure he handed out more concussions than any other wrestler in the fucking business. Anyway, next up we have the FBI, Tracy Smothers, Little Guido Maritato. On the outside, we got the Big Don, Wildfire, Tommy Rich. They're going against a team of two, Colt Scorpio and the Sandman. This was a good matchup. I, I actually was surprised that you know, little Guido was actually kicking the Sandman's ass. Like, he was getting a lot of offense in on the Sandman, which I was not expecting. With the homie Ivan guy to say, it's like the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. We're not just podcasts. We're family and making fucking history. Exactly. Because we don't just make podcasts here on the Circle Debate. We make history. Anyway, yo, little Guido got a lot of offense in on the Sandman. I was fucking surprised. Nonetheless, though, Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio, they win the matchup. It was a decent matchup. It was a lot longer than I thought it would go. After the matchup, though, you know, the Sandman gets on the mic and he says that next week in the ECW arena in South Philadelphia, shout out to the South Philly Psycho Dom, but in South Philadelphia, it's going to be the Sandman versus Bam Bam Bigelow for the ECW television title. I can't wait for that one. We're going to be talking about that one next. But next on this show, we have Just Incredible with uh, Jason and Nicole Bass going against Tommy Dreamer. Um, this is the first time that they ever face off one-on-one. -on -one. This is a feud that really starts to heat up more towards the end of next year, but this is the first time they go one-on-one. -on -one. Um, right now, the current storyline is just incredible, is brand new, and he's causing a lot of ruckus, you know what I mean? He's over here fucking people up. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck came back from a knee injury, and his first match back was against Just Incredible, and Just Incredible purposely retore the ligaments of the knee, so he's out here, like, trying to hurt people. 
He's also getting victories that people are not expecting him to get because ECW brought in the great Sasuke from Japan to go against Just Incredible, and Just Incredible beat him, which was a big upset. And then also, they brought in the great the Grand Hamada from Japan, from Mishinoku Pro Wrestling, and Just Incredible beat him, which was another big upset, especially for a guy who, just a year before, he was fucking Aldo Montoya with a jockstrap on his fucking face in the WWE. He comes to ECW, and he's beating Japanese fucking icons. So right now, he's got a lot of heat behind him. Rest in peace, Tracy Smothers, for sure. Definitely underrated, for sure. My man, Tracy Smothers was a fucking icon, and a lot of people don't give him the respect he deserves. Bam Bam Bigelow, one of the most underrated wrestlers of our generation. That was fucking special. I agree. Not even just for the shit that Bam Bam Bigelow did here in the States, but if you guys aren't aware of what Bam Bam Bigelow did overseas in Japan, he was one of the top uh, monster guy gins of Japan. Raven and Tommy Dreamer, one of the most legendary rivalries ever to come out of ECW. I agree. That's one of the most legendary rivalries ever to come out of pro wrestling, not just ECW. Like wrestling in general, that rivalry was fucking historic. I would put the Raven Sandman uh, storyline also right there. But anyway, so right now, Justin Credible is an asshole. Everybody hates him. They chant Justin asshole when he comes out. But Tommy Dreamer and him have a good matchup. But surprisingly, Justin Credible gets a lot of the offense in. Right now, he's on a winning streak. But that winning streak comes to the end when Tommy Dreamer wins the matchup. And I was a little upset about this because I, I didn't think Tommy Dreamer needed to win this matchup. But the way he won it is understandable. We had Nicole Bass coming to the ring. She was interfering. She was, she's a, if you guys haven't seen Nicole Bass, Nicole Bass is like 6'4", and she's built like a fucking monster. But she took out Tommy Dreamer. Then she took out Beulah McGillicuddy on the outside. Jason interferes. He's putting the stomps to Tommy Dreamer. And then we got the return of Mikey Whipwreck, who is not 100%. Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck has a knee brace that goes from his thigh all the way down to his ankle. He can't even walk on that leg, but just because of his pure hatred for Justin Credible and how Justin Credible purposely tried to take him out, Mikey Whipwreck is over here. He's trying to get his revenge. But Mikey Whipwreck hits Justin Credible with the uh, whippersnapper, which is basically the Stone Cold Stunner, and then Tommy Dreamer hits the... Uh, I, did Tommy Dreamer just call it the DDT? Because I know, you know, he took the move from Raven. Raven was calling it the Raven effect. I always thought it was called the Dreamer Effect for some reason, but just the DDT, Tommy Dreamer gets the victory. Afterwards, you know, Just Incredible ain't going to go down like that. Just Incredible, Nicole Bass, and um, Jason, they attack Tommy Dreamer, and they re-injure the leg and try to break the other leg of Mikey Whipwreck. It is announced that Mikey Whipwreck, whether he is 100% or not, he's going to be going up against Just Incredible at the pay-per-view. So you got two months to heal that shit up because Just Incredible is going to be waiting on the other side for you. Underground Temple says, Bam Bam Bigelow Invader, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Hell yes. Yo, if you haven't seen their matchup in uh, Japan, I believe it was in the Tokyo Dome 90, I want to say five. It was Bam Bam Bigelow Invader versus the Steiner Brothers in the Tokyo Dome. That's, that's my homework for all you guys. Go check that fucking matchup out because that shit was a banger. Anyway, main event of the night, we have the triple threat. It is Shane Douglas, the aforementioned Bam Bam Bigelow, and Mr. No Gimmicks Needed, Chris Candido. They're going against the team of Jerry Lynn, Chris Candido's tag team partner, and champ, tag team champion partner, Lance Storm, and Chris Chetty. Real quick, just to, you know, 
bring you guys up to speed if there's any confusion on what's been going on with uh, Candido and Lance Storm. What's been happening is Lance Storm was with the Triple Threat. He was the honorary member of the Triple Threat when Bam Bam Bigelow left the Triple Threat and faced Shane Douglas at November to Remember 1997. They replaced Bam Bam Bigelow with Lance Storm. Lance Storm and Chris Candido win the Tag Team Champions. When Bam Bam Bigelow returned to the Triple Threat, they kicked out Lance Storm. And even though they jumped Lance Storm and Lance Storm and Chris Candido now hate each other, Lance Storm and Chris Candido are still the tag team champions. So Paul Heyman said that they have to continue defending those titles and no one could screw the other one out of losing that title. Even though they hate each other, if anybody screws the other one in a matchup, the one who is guilty, the guilty defender, they said, of that, the guilty party will be fired from ECW. So you have tag team champions who are always fighting each other hate each other, but have to work together, which is a really interesting storyline. But in this matchup, we have a jam-packed matchup. Lots of action, especially between Jerry Lynn and Shane Douglas. They put on a great show. Um, I love the shit between Lance Stormer and Chris Candido, because like I said, when they're tagging together, they can't screw each other. But when they're going against each other like this, you can see the intensity and them really trying to hurt each other, which was really cool to see. And then on top of that, Bam Bam Bigelow in this fucking match was fucking a monster. So... In, this, in the ending, the triple threat win the matchup. Shane Douglas gets on the mic. The crowd starts throwing the styrofoam heads into the ring. Shane Douglas says that he is not going to let Al Snow get in his head. He said something that's stupid, and he picks up the styrofoam head. Something that's stupid as a styrofoam head is not going to be enough to stop the triple threat. He breaks the head. He's ripping it to shreds. Bam Bam takes a bite out of one of the styrofoam heads. All of a sudden, Al Snow comes out with a chair, and one man took out the whole triple threat. Like I said, this is not the WWF Al Snow. ECW Al Snow was a real threat to the ECW uh, world champion. So we go off the air with the crowd throwing the fucking styrofoam heads in the ring. The camera's going upside down and flashing lights like a rave party. And Al Snow's in the middle of the ring and they're going crazy. Ah, oh, man, I'm hyped for a Wrestlepalooza 1998. But before we could get there, we got to talk about the next week. This was a great show, by the way. I'm giving this a strong four out of five stars. I loved it. But next week was even better, in my opinion, because ECW's back home, South Philly, ECW Arena. We're going to be talking about ECW Hardcore TV from March 28, 1998. Underground Temple. So when did the Impact Players happen after the whole Triple Threat group? Yeah, Impact Players was more late 98, early 99. So that's still to come. Right now, Just Incredible is still like a newcomer in ECW, so he's still doing his singles run. But the whole team with Landstorm is still to come. That comes in a couple months. Right now we're in March. I'd say the Triple Threat day. Well, not the Triple, but the Impact Players debuted maybe October, October, November. So it's on the cusp. Definitely on the cusp. We'll be seeing that soon. ECW Hardcore TV from March 28th, 1998. We start out with Bill Alfonso, Rob Van Dam, and Sabu cutting a promo and Rob Van Dam is basically saying that he is self-declaring himself the number one contender for the uh, ECW television title. So he wants Bam Bam Bigelow. He says, come Buffalo, New York. When we get to Buffalo, I'm facing you and I'm bringing that ECW television championship home because I'm the whole fucking show. Sabu is all like, he doesn't talk, but he could tell he's like, what about me? Like, why don't I get the shot? Sabu beat Bam Bam Bigelow a couple weeks ago, so why wouldn't he get the shot? Why is Ryan Van Dam all of a sudden getting a TV title shot? 
So we see dissension between Ravi and Damon Sabu. They're pushing each other back and forth. But Alfonso's trying to uh, play Peacemaker. He's like, yo, chill. Let's get those tag titles too. You know what I mean? Like, Ravi and Damon could go after the TV title, but Sabu, if you want a title, let's get those tag titles. So ECW starts out. You know, we got the intro. Joy Styles welcomes us to South Philly, world-famous ECW arena. Guys haven't been there. I feel like ECW Arena in South Philly is my massive square garden. Even though I'm from New York, like I've been to many MSG shows and I always felt like they were special. But like when I go to an ECW Arena show, that shit was real special to me. Like that always felt like the holy ground of professional wrestling to me. Anyway, we're starting out with the FBI. Once again, it is Tracy Smothers and Little Guido Maritato versus Danny Doring and Roadkill. But before the match could start, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney, they come out. They're like, look, I know you guys want to have yourselves a nice little tag match, and it's for the number one contendership. We're in the ECW arena. These motherfucking crowd, they, they don't want to see wrestling. They want to see violence. So he said, as Ryan said, let's bring the violence back to ECW. Let's have ourselves an extreme three-way dance. All six men, tornado rules, anything goes, and the winners will go against Chris Candido and Lance Storm at WrestlePalooza. This was violent as fuck. Axel Rotten, you know, for everything I said about Balls Mahoney fucking giving out concussions with his goddamn chair shots, Axel Rotten was no different. Axel Rotten was throwing reckless chair shots that was just fucking nailing everybody. Um, quickly off in the matchup, you had Danny Doring and Roadkill get eliminated by the FBI. Tracy Smothers hit a pile driver on Danny Doring, who is still relatively new to ECW. One, two, three. The way three ways work in ECW, it is elimination rules. So you still had the FBI walls and axles still in the matchup. It didn't last long, though, because the fucking hardcore chair swinging freaks, man. They, they, they fucking are wailing on people's heads with those chairs. And when Balls Mahoney connects, it's over. The Balls Mahoney hit Little Guido with a chair shot. One, two, three. The new number one contenders, Balls Mahoney and Axel Rock. Next, we have a tag team. Uh, title matchup. It is Chris Candido and Lance Storm, who I just talked about. They don't like each other. They hate each other, but they're still the tag champions. They can't screw each other out of losing those belts, so they have to defend them. They're going against the team of Chris Chetty and Jerry Lynn. Very interesting to see because a week before Jerry Lynn was on the team with Chris Cherry, well, Lance Storm was on the team with Jerry Lynn and Chris Chetty. A week later, Lance Storm is going against Jerry Lynn and Chris Chetty and teaming up with the guy he hates, Chris Candido. So there's a lot of interesting factors in this matchup. Nonetheless, you could just tell, like, there's so much infighting between Lance Storm and Chris Candido. They can't get along. They can't get on the same page. And it's because of that that, you know, they almost lose that title numerous times in the matchup. But in the end, you had Chris Candido and Lance Storm defeat Jerry Lynn and Chris Chetty when Lance Storm hit the spinning heel kick onto Chris Chetty for the victory. After the matchup, Balls and Axles come out. They say they were the new number one contenders. We're taking those titles at WrestlePalooza. This leads to Bam Bam Bigelow and Shane Douglas coming out, jumping Balls and Axel, jumping Lance Storm, and then the Sandman comes out and makes the save. The Sandman is in the title matchup, like I said, against Bam Bam Bigelow right now for the TV title. So Sandman and Bam Bam, they're ready to square up, and then out comes Taz. Taz comes out. We haven't seen Taz since Bam Bam Bigelow put his ass through the fucking ring and won the title at Living Dangerously 1998. Real quick, we got Underground Temple said Masato Tanaka chair shots to ball, 
Balls Mahoney and Mike Austin was fucking brutal. Yo, ECW was a different breed, bro. ECW was handing out concussions like it was fucking paychecks. You know what I mean? They, they weren't able to hand out the paychecks, but they'll give you a fucking concussion. You know what I mean? Anyway, before Bam Bam Bigelow and Sandman start, Taz comes out. Taz says, I don't see Sandman winning this title. I think Bam Bam's going to retain. But just know, I want my rematch. He said, you never beat me. Because when I had you in the Taz mission, before you put my ass through the ring, you tapped out. The referee didn't see that. But nonetheless, I want to shake your hand. But I'm letting you know I'm coming for that title. Bam Bam Bigelow says, fuck that. He shakes Taz's hand. Taz turns around and the Sandman's ready to cane his ass. He was like, look, I respect you, Taz. Don't, don't, don't sleep on the Sandman. Because if I win this title tonight, I'll give you the fucking shot, but I'm sticking this cane right up your ass. He said he'll make Taz his little fucking Brooklyn popsicle, which is a little suspect. But anyway, Bam Bam Bigelow nonetheless makes quick work of the Sandman. It was a five-minute matchup. Bam Bam Bigelow just squashes the Sandman, which was weird to see because the Sandman at the time was getting a big push. So to have the Sandman lose so convincingly like that was a little weird, but it is Bam Bam Bigelow. Like, as much as I like the Sandman, the Sandman is not a real wrestler. Like, Bam Bam Bigelow, of course, was going to squash the Sandman. Next, we got the main event. It is Al Snow versus Rob Van Dam, which was a very interesting matchup because we have the number one contender for the world title going against the number one contender for the TV title. This matchup was really good. Very athletic. If there's one matchup to go out of your way and see this week, if you guys get extra time, Go check out this episode of ECW Hardcore TV from March 28th, 1998. Whether it's on the WWE Network, Peacock, check it out and check out this match between Rob Van Dam and Al Snow. This was athletic as hell. Um, there was one point where Al Snow did a moonsault from the top rope all the way into the crowd and took out, took out Rob Van Dam and like five other people in the crowd. Absolutely insane. Really good matchup. In the end, Sabu comes out and he tries to help out, uh, tries to help out Rob Van Dam, but he accidentally hits Rob Van Dam with a chair. Al Snow pushes out uh, Sabu, and then he pins Rob Van Dam. So Rob Van Dam is pissed now because he thinks that Sabu did that shit intentionally. So when Al Snow wins, he takes off, but Sabu and Rob Van Dam are in the ring ready to fucking go. They're ready to brawl. Well, once again, Bill Alfonso, he's over here. He's on his knees. He's begging. Please, guys, get it together. Let's not fight. Please, you know what I mean? And cooler heads prevailed. And then Rob Van Dam, he goes to give a handshake to Sabu. Sabu goes to shake his hand, but Rob Van Dam hits him with one of these, leaves uh, Sabu hanging. And then Sabu wants to kill Rob Van Dam again, but Rob Van Dam walks out nonchalant, and Sabu has to be held back by Bill Alfonso. This was a really fun episode of ECW. Both these episodes combined, because ECW is only like an hour, so I like to watch two at once and really get like a feel of what the direction is. But I'm hyped. Like going into Wrestlepalooza, we already know that we're going to get Al Snow versus Shane Douglas. We already know we're going to be getting Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. We already know we're going to be getting uh, Chris Candido and Lance Storm versus Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. So I'm really hyped. Wrestlepalooza 1998, when that show does come around, because it is still a couple weeks ahead, when that show does come around, we'll be talking about it here on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will be back here for the Wrestling DeLorean podcast on Friday here on the Circle of Debate YouTube channel. But check out the Circle of Debate tomorrow night for their new episode, episode 114. 
Also, check us out on Friday night. We're going to be having a top five where we'll be discussing the top five Triple H moments. Um, we'll also be talking about AEW, so make sure you check out AEW Dynamite tonight. It is the Quake at the Lake. We have Chris Jericho going against uh, John Moxley for the AEW Interim World Title. It'll be a great matchup. I'll be checking it out, and I'll be talking all about it here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast on Wednesday. Clark Street, thank you. I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate everybody who showed up in the chat. Thank you for everybody who was, you know, participating, everybody who shows love. We'll talk. Without you guys, there is no me. If you don't already, follow along on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow along on Twitter at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Everybody in the chats, you know what I mean? Subscribe to Clark Street. Subscribe to Underground Temple. Subscribe to Joe Fo. Subscribe to Circle Debate, of course. Subscribe to uh, the Ring Fanatics. Everybody who shows love, I appreciate you guys. Real talk. Catch me here on Friday with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Enjoy AEW tonight, and we'll talk all about that here tomorrow with my boy Ivan, with Matt Callis. Circle of debate. Don't want to miss it. I love you guys. Peace out. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a 100 casino-style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.